Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 68 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman, Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. Never do that. Bring it for you every day, daily, Monday through Friday during the NFL season, three times a week, typically in the offseason. We also obviously have college draft on Monday. If you like college football or the NFL draft or betting on these college bowl games, even money podcasts, we release on Tuesday, the top three NFL betting podcast in the Galaxy Fantasy Feast podcast with Joe Dolan, which I love every Wednesday and Thursday, two episodes a week. Check out Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports as well. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday. That means we've got Greg Cosell, the civilian goat. I believe he's the greatest film walker, a watcher, reviewer, breaker downer, not even a real word, in civilian history, meaning... Never worked for a team, never worked as a coach or a player. I'm just telling you right now, for a fact, Greg knows a lot more than people that are coaching in the NFL. He just does. He just, I mean, because he's been around it for so long. He just does. And love teaching tutorial Thursdays. Love DraftKings. Love giving out winners tomorrow. For those of you that spread the word via social media, which is always awesome, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, or take advantage of any sponsors. You got to email me to me, though. Ross at RossTucker.com. Any sponsors, myfrontpagestory.com. Send me the email after you take advantage of it. I want to send you guys gifts. YouTube.com slash NFL for the YouTube shout-out. Patron of the day, Anthony Marino. Not like Dan. M-O-R-I-N-O. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Greg, a lot to get into. I love, love, love. First of all, I love talking with you. But <laughs> I love when the Thursday night game is like a real game, right? So both teams, 7-7, seven and seven, both teams in the thick of the playoff race. Saints feels like they're more focused on winning the NFC South. Rams right now would be the seven seed, which is kind of wild. What are you seeing from either one of these teams, Greg? Rams, Saints tonight, Thursday night football. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoy watching the Rams' offense. I think that, I mean, obviously we know Sean McVay does a great job, but just tactically they do a lot of things that are, are just really good. I mean, let's stick with the pass game for the moment, even though Kyron Williams has been running really well, and they've changed their run game a bit because of him. But we'll talk about the pass game. And two things really stand out. Number one, they motion a ton. They have the second most motion snaps in the pass game of any team in the league, only behind the Dolphins. And they very often motion across the formation from 2 by 2 to 3 by 1 And then when they get in 3 by one sets, Ross, they're in bunch a lot. And they get a feel for how defenses are going to play bunch. There's multiple ways to play bunch formations. Uh, and they get a feel for how defenses play it. And then they do such a good job attacking that. This week against the Commanders, I know people might say it's the Commanders. They're still an NFL team. They still have coaches that coach every week. And and they just did such a good job in understanding what they would get from the Commanders when they were in their three-man bunch formations and how to attack it. And they do that every week at a really high level. And it takes nothing away from their individual players. But as, as you know, you know, normally great offenses are a combination of really good players and a really good scheme and design. And I think that the Rams are really, really good. And people fall asleep on Matthew Stafford. He is one of the best throwers of the football that we have seen over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. You know what I think is interesting, Greg, just hearing you talk that I hadn't thought about? If you think about the production that they're getting from Kyron Williams, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, None of these guys were first-round picks, Greg. No. Like, none of these guys were ever supposed to produce at this level. And to me, that's a real feather in the cap of a coach like McVay. If you get big-time, big-time production from guys that were drafted where those guys were drafted. And now they're starting to get production from their second tight end, Davis Allen, at a Clemson, who I watched coming out. And they're starting to get production out of him as well. So, as I said... You know, it's, it's a combination of players and scheme. We don't want to, obviously, we're not going to say anything about Cooper Cup, who's turned out to be a great player. Nakua looks like he's going to be a very good player, but you're right. I remember being at the Combine when Cup ran a 4-6-2-40, and, and, and all of a sudden people were looking at each other like, well, this guy's not going to play in the league, you know, and I think he's done okay. <laughs> yeah, well, how about this, by the way? Nakua fifth round, Kyron Williams fifth round, Cooper Cup was a third-round pick. Right. That's pretty impressive to have those guys with those stats in those rounds. I mean, you're talking about a head coach providing value for an organization. Let's talk about the, uh, the Saturday night game. Uh, if we have time, maybe I'll get back to the Bengals and the Steelers. But sure. I'm more interested in the Saturday night game, Bills-Chargers. And really, I think, Greg, I just want to talk about that Bills-Cowboys game, ah. the Bills running game. Yeah. Here's my question. And I think this is a fair question. I was very impressed watching the Bills running game. It also felt to me, watching the TV copy, Greg, like the Cowboys were playing like they didn't want to be there. They were sticking to blocks like glue. I just want to know what you saw from Bills offense, Cowboys defense, and whether or not you think what you saw from the Bills running game is sustainable and something that we can see more throughout the rest of the season. Well, I thought this game was an incredibly 
great tactical performance. Look, Ross, you played offensive line, so you know that when you're preparing for a team, what are the things you're looking at? You're looking at the fronts that an opponent plays. How do we attack the fronts? We know built into being an offensive lineman and the run game is that you have to be physical. We know that. That's just built into the position, correct? I yes. mean, that's that's just built into the position. But I think really good coaches, you know, what they what they look at when they look at an opponent is what are their fronts? Are they playing over fronts? Are they playing under fronts? Are they playing base fronts? How do we attack with the specific runs we want to call this week against these specific fronts? I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when the coaching staff on Monday, after everybody watched the Cowboys defense and said, hey, this is how we want to play this week. Now, they didn't know that it would work exactly the way that it did. There's no way they said, hey, Josh is only going to throw 15 balls this week, and that's the way we're going to win. But I thought they had such a great understanding of how to attack a front, particularly the Cowboys playing an over front. And so people understand that. That means that the front is shifted to the strength of the offensive formation, to the tight end side. And they ran to the weakness of that front. I guess people would then call that the bubble, to the weakness of that front, away from the the, the shift, the strength shifted. And they did such a good job with that. And then they did that little hop thing with the back eight times with Cook. And it was more of a motion hop than a shift, so it didn't give the Cowboys any chance to make any adjustment to that kind of move. So I thought tactically this was just a brilliant, brilliant performance. Wow, interesting. I mean, not saying anything about the former coordinator, but it certainly feels like the Bills have been a lot better on offense since they made the move. Well, on this game with the run game, Aaron Cromer, and I, I'm sure you've talked to him over the years. He's been coaching O-line for well over 20 years in this league. I'm sure he had a lot to do with this particular aspect of the game plan. He's just a veteran O-line coach, one of the best in the league. Let's talk Browns-Texans, Greg. It's a big game. Again, both teams right there in the playoff race. Kind of sounds, unfortunately, like C.J. Stroud yeah. might not play again, so I'm guessing – It'll be Case Keenum again against Joe Flacco, who, Greg, he threw the three picks. He was not he very good. And then he he made doesn't a couple care. Of throws. I mean, that touchdown pass to Amari Cooper. Oh. He's out there throwing fadeaway jumpers to Njoku. There's something to be said for a veteran that's been there, done that. He's like, I don't care. I threw three picks. If we win the game, everybody will forget that. Well, if, if I could, I'd like to turn this and talk about the defensive front of the Texans, if, if that's cool. Because yeah, yeah. I think oh, they that, killed the you, Titans. You know, with Stroud, you know, obviously, and he's had a phenomenal rookie season, and that's what everybody talks about every week when he's playing. And certainly, Case Keenum is a backup that can come in and play well anytime he's been in this league a long time. He was a starter for one year, and the Vikings got to the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. Um, but... This D-line, and I don't know if Will Anderson's back this week. He did not play last week, which amazingly enough gave Derek Barnett, the former Eagle, about 35 snaps. But this defensive front, which no one's really talking about, when you watch the tape, they've got some good players. They've got a lot of quickness. Jonathan Grenard is a really good right defensive end. He's got some bend to him. He's got some twitch to him. He's a, he's a different player than Anderson. Anderson is a power player. Grenard can bend and can flatten his rush path when he clears the arc and their two tackles are quick guys and they're tough to block collins and rankins are quick guys and uh, they're gap players and they've done a really nice job in this defense like i said no one's talking about it but it starts with their front because they're not a high percentage blitz team and they're doing a really good job against opposing offensive lines 
I saw all of that in that game. I was watching that game, and man, I mean, Malik Collins was beating Skaronsky clean, ah. you know, uh, Rankins, and those are guys that used to be other places. And they- Rankins was a first-round pick. He's just had a lot of injuries, but he was your classic gap player, you know, a three-technique gap player when he came out of college, and it's just a shame he got hurt, but he he's always had great quickness off the ball. They have gotten those guys to play at a really high level. The key to my performance when I was a player, in particular in Buffalo, was just drinking as many Labatt Blue Lights as I possibly could. That's what I would recommend if you want to play in the NFL. Drink Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Greg, let's talk Lions and Vikings. Yeah critical matchup I, I i'm assuming if the, i haven't even looked at the playoffs there i'm assuming if the lions win that game they win the division i, I have to imagine i mean they got 10 wins the vikings have seven so that that math has to work out what will you be looking for there what jumps out to you in that matchup yeah you know they haven't played yet so you know we don't really know how brian flores is going to attack this lions offense which is a really good offense. We've talked about the pass game numerous times with the spacing and how they run routes, and uh, it's which is as good as there is in the league. Now they have a run game. They have a run game that can be sustaining with Montgomery. They have a run game that can be explosive with Gibbs. There's a lot here to work with. They're the 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 best. I should say the the most voluminous play-action pass team in the league, uh, the most play-action passes, and the large, large majority, Ross, come with Goff under center. I'm a big believer in that based on all my years of tape study. I think that puts more pressure and puts defensive players in more conflict when play-action is under center. Uh, So they do that more than any team in the league. Flores is a fascinating guy from a defensive standpoint because they have the highest percentage of blitz and also the highest percentage of three-man rushes. So you almost don't know what you're going to get. I'm not smart enough, Russ, to, to really know what he's going to do against this offense, but you just, to me, when I watch their tape, I just don't know what, what Flores is going to do on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I, I obviously prepped for them last week, and they have the most six-man rush and the most three-man rush in the entire NFL. I know. It's, I mean, you rarely, I, I, again, I don't want to say we've never seen that before because there's been a lot of football, but I can't recall that kind of thing really happening. Let's talk Bucks versus Jags. Bucks, Jags, Greg. Baker. You know, it's funny. It, what's interesting, though, about the Bucks is the last number of weeks, uh, they've really gotten Rashad White involved. They've run the ball at a higher percentage. Um, he is a good multi-dimensional back. He can run and he can catch. Um, I thought they had some really good pass game concepts this week. They played a team in the Packers that plays a lot of zone. They had an understanding of how to attack it. Um, they they had that all-go eight-seam touchdown to White, one of my favorite plays. Um, but, you know, this offense has become somewhat efficient. You know, when Baker sees it cleanly, uh, he's a good thrower of the football. They've got weapons. I mean, Evans, Godwin, um, White has become a really good weapon. Otten is a nice tight end who can work the seam, so he gives them a little bit of verticality as well. Um, And this Jags defense, they've had a lot of injuries. Um, They haven't gotten from from, um, Walker the kind of pass rush that they expected when they drafted him number one. Obviously, Josh Allen can rush the quarterback. So, um, this will be a really interesting matchup on that side of the ball. 
Let's talk maybe the best game in the – well, no, second best game in the weekend. <laughs> Cowboys and Dolphins, Greg. Cowboys and Dolphins, what should we be looking for in that one? I think you're going to see the cow, uh, the Dolphins go after Deron Bland. Um, you know, he it, he will try to sit and squat and jump routes. So look for double moves against Deron Bland because that's how he's made the large majority of, in, of his interceptions this year when he sits and squats and jumps routes based on the fact that they rush the quarterback well. And the Dolphins will know that. They're a rhythmic timing passing game, maybe the best in the league when they're at their best, playing that style of pass game. And there will be double moves against Deron Bland. Ooh. Um, it's interesting when you describe me, sounds a lot like Trayvon Diggs, the guy he replaced. Yeah, he's, he's somewhat similar. You know, you know, Diggs was much more of a guy that literally jumped him, whereas Bland just never gets out of his pedal. He doesn't even pedal sometimes. Uh, he just kind of sits and waits. You know what I liked what you said there, Greg? And Fran Duffy and I talked about this on his show. The marriage of the pass rush yep. and the coverage. Because he knows they're so good at getting pressure, he feels more comfortable believing the quarterback has to get it out quickly and jump in the underneath stuff. He's not as worried about double moves, thinking that we'll get there by then. Right. And, and by the way, We'll see how the Dolphins choose to play this because I believe their offensive line is going to play three or four backups this week due to injury. Now, when their pass game is working effectively, you and I both know that it's quick game. Tua hits that back foot, ball comes out. Much less, less pressure on an offensive lineman in, pa in pass protection. Let's talk Giants-Eagles, Greg, primarily because things are not well in Philadelphia and also I'll be doing the game on radio. So oh, I good. like for you to do some of my homework for me. Um, <laughs> I guess I have, I guess I have two questions, Greg. Let's start with the Eagles made a coordinator change on defense, or at least a defensive play caller change going from Desai to Patricia. What, if anything different, did you notice Greg? Number of things. Number one, big nickel became their foundational base defense. They played with three safeties and two linebackers. That became their foundational base. Many more snaps of that than their 5-2 front, which, of course, we had seen almost all of last year and through much of this year. Secondly, when they went on third down, they played dime on almost every third down. They had not necessarily been a big dime team, playing with three safeties and three corners. They took Leonard off the field. He was not on the field in dime. Uh, they played more man coverage in this game, and they did not blitz. I believe on only two of Locke's 35 or so dropbacks did they rush five. So they relied purely on their four-man D-line pass rush, and still could not generate much pressure. On that 10-play final touchdown drive by the Seahawks that won the game, there were 10 plays, as I said. They rushed four down linemen on all 10 and played predominantly man coverage concepts on the back end. Interesting, because one time on third and seven in the red zone, they did bring pressure. I think it was they did, all they went zero, And, and, and Locke yeah. had to get rid of it. And, you know... A big part of that, Greg, is knowing where they're going to throw the hot and then who the guy is making the tackle. I think they knew where the hot would be, and they knew it would be Blankenship, and bam, Blankenship just put, I think it was Lockett, just put him down right there yeah, for right like a four-yard game. They went zero. It's also knowing who your quarterback is because they know that Lock is, is going to get rid of it quick. In other words, he's not going to wait to see, hey, I'm protected, I'm okay. They know he was going to get rid of it. But you're right, that was one of the – the only two times that they actually came with pressure. What are you seeing from Hertz, Greg? 
Yeah, he's struggling a bit right now, uh, uh, Ross. He's just not seeing things clearly. I mean, we sit and watch in our matchup room because I've got two quarterbacks, two former quarterbacks that I work with in the matchup room, and we just keep you know, looking at plays and rewinding back and forth and watching again. The route concepts are there. They're clean. The ball should be thrown. The ball should be out. He's just, he, he's either not seeing it, he's not processing it, it's not registering, it's its just something is not right. We've seen him do this before, so, you know, do it well is what I'm saying. We've seen him do it the right way before, so I can't tell you why he's not doing it now, but, but the concepts are there, they're clean, the ball should be out, it's not happening right now. We gotta talk about the Ravens and the Niners, uh, Greg. Juicy, juicy matchup, Monday night. What uh, what are you most intrigued by in that one? I think on the um, Ravens D, 49ers O side, um, I'm really intrigued by how the Ravens play because they're very good with showing pressure fronts, with disguise, then late rotation. Uh, Brock Purdy has shown to be one of his absolute best traits is being able to immediately recognize late rotation and still throw within the timing and structure of the of the play design. He's a... It's something you didn't see him do much in college because college defenses don't do that very much. And that's something that has made him special in just his ability to automatically, I mean, it's in, it seems almost innate to him to be able to deal with that. So that's going to be a major part of this chess match, the disguise, the late rotation of the Ravens D versus Purdy in the pass game. Um, I guess on the other side, you know, I think they've lost Mitchell, who was their juice as a back. But they're still going to run the ball. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal, quite frankly. And I think Lamar is just playing really strong, solid football. He's looking to throw the ball more. He's only leaving the pocket when it's absolutely necessary. And he can still be dynamic doing that. But I just watch him and feel that he's in command of this new offense. And by the way, that's not easy. It's the first year in a brand new offense. I'm sure the terminology is different. I'm sure things are called differently. And he just seems like he's in total command of it. I think he's playing. And the numbers might not reflect this because they're not throwing 45 times a game. But I feel like watching the tape, he sees it. He's in command. He has a great feel for it. Check him out on social media. As you can tell, he is the man at Greg Cosell. Greg, fantastic as always. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Greg is so awesome. You know what else is awesome? Ordering on DoorDash. Make it easier on yourself. Now you can root for your squad while your food and drinks are on the way. That means burgers, chips, dips, soda, pizza, wings, and so much more delivered straight to your door. By the way, Jack, we're going into the fourth quarter of today's podcast. In football, the fourth quarter is where the magic happens, where games are won, where champions are made. In business, it's where sales teams become legends. That's why HubSpot built Sales Hub to give sales reps the deal-making tools they need to win their Q4. Sales Hub's prospecting workspace organizes your schedule, goals, and to-do list in one place to save your team precious fourth quarter time. Smart sequences help sales reps close deals faster than ever. So get ready to dominate Q4 with Sales Hub. Learn more at HubSpot.com sales. Tux Takes. All right, Ross. Chiefs, they put Sky Moore on the IR. The Ravens put Keaton Mitchell on the IR, and they signed running back Melvin Gordon. And then Eagles offensive guard Landon Dickerson has thumb surgery. Greg just talked about the Mitchell thing. Such a shame. As for Landon Dickerson, not going to go on IR, so I don't know how much time he'll miss. Sometimes they have him miss a game just to make sure that that thing has at least some time to heal. We'll see. I've been there with a broken hand and 
played a week later. Falcons are starting Taylor Heineke, a quarterback, this week, and then the Jets cut fullback Nick Bauden to make room on the roster for Aaron Rodgers. So Heineke, they say, is going to start the rest of the season. I think Arthur Smith feels like he needs to win out, get a winning record, 9-8, and eight, to, to maybe even save his job. As for the Jets cutting Nick Bauden, it sounds like he's going to be on practice squad and then he'll be elevated to the active rosters. I don't think Nick will end up missing out on any money or any benefits as a result of this. Still probably not the best optic, right? Like, you know, and, and maybe the Jets should have done a better job of getting the word out about this when they made the move. Although theoretically, Nick Bauden, by the way, can get claimed on waivers by any other team right now. But, I mean, it's just funny to, like, cut a guy so that you can have this other guy in the practice field who said on TV the day before he's not playing this year. Like, and he'll be the, what, the fourth quarterback they have on the roster? It's just kind of... I feel like the Jets do a lot of things both for optics and that are bad for optics, if that makes sense. Like, they did this because they want Rodgers on the practice field and the social media videos and all the stuff that goes in with having Aaron Rodgers. But also, like, it looks bad that you're cutting, like, uh, a blood and guts guy so that Rodgers can be on the roster. And we've got a game tonight with major playoff implications. The Rams are hosting the New Orleans Saints. Who do you like in this one and why? I think it'll be a really good game. I mean, on the Even Money podcast, I took the Saints getting the four points because I'm anticipating a close game. I'm anticipating a field goal game. Either way, I thought the Saints looked pretty good watching their video against the Giants, because I'm calling Giants-Eagles on Monday for Westwood One, so I had to watch that whole Saints tape. And I thought they looked real good on defense, did some good things on offense. The Rams have just been awfully good lately on offense. Everything Greg said about uh, McVay makes sense to me. I'm going to say 23-20. The Rams win a really good game on Thursday Night Football. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out to MyFrontPageStory.com. I know some of you still need a gift. It's even better this way. Order it. Get the printout that you ordered it. Show it to them and say, I bought this specialized, personalized story for you. And then can you imagine the anticipation of them waiting for when it actually gets in? That might even be better. MyFrontPageStory.com. MyFrontPageStory.com. How about BackOfficeSchedule.com, SteakhouseSports.com, HumanHeadNYC.com, Sportaculture, and Pizza Boy Brewing.